0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you are, welcome to Two Men with a Mic.
1: How's it going, sir?
0: All right. I got distracted. Sorry.
1: Distracted?
0: Yeah. What were you distracted by? We got the free book for our guest for this episode, Ah. and I gave it to Linda, my mother-in-law, and she just about read half of it Hmm. she said it's great cool so
1: a page turner man
0: yep that's what she said (laughs) so it got endorsed by linda the mother-in-law
1: the mother-in-law likes it
0: yeah that's big It must be good big 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 how are you how you feeling
1: um i i still got covid so it's going to, on Monday, it will have been two weeks. And uh, I don't know, I, I, you know, like I've been saying, every day I get a little bit better, but there are still lingering symptoms. Um, and so it's pretty darn frustrating. Um, I'm told that as long as I don't have a fever, it's okay for me to be around people now. Um, so, because I just went back today for my third Test my second retest and I was positive again and then the lady at the pharmacy told me that you can test positive for up to 90 days after you are first infected with COVID so that's super frustrating but then yeah she told me um, if as long as you don't have a fever though you can be around people now so.
0: well that's good
1: What a bummer, though, dude. This has really been dragging out. And it's kept me away from my son, which has been very upsetting. Um, But I'm going to see him this Sunday. Uh, I'll have him all day on Sunday. His mom and I talked about it. And um, basically, she can't take any more time off work. And I'm dying to see him. And since I don't have a fever, that should be okay. So I will finally, after two weeks, get to see my son this Sunday. So I am happy about that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. How about you, sir? I'm doing good. It's Friday. And I'm very grateful for the weekend. So um, although my knees are really bothering me. Thank God I don't have a softball game to play uh, um, because they're really bad today. But. I'm grateful. I'm excited. I get to go on a dinner train tomorrow in Napa. Ashley bought me a birthday present, and it was dinner on a train that tours Napa. So tomorrow we'll be on an evening dinner cruise via train through Napa Valley.
1: Oh, that sounds like fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dude,
1: your birthday is in April, though.
0: Well, I know, but this was <laughs> don't tell them. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but this was she she gave it to me in April. But I don't I don't I, I don't know. This is when we're doing it. It's okay.
1: How does so how does it work? What do you show up at the train station, go on a fancy dinner car
0: or something? Or Sure, that sounds good.
1: <laughs> what are they going to serve you man is there a del taco on that train
0: i there better be <laughs> well, i i would imagine it's you know like a steak and prime rib type of thing oh, okay something you know something well she's not going to take me on a vegetarian train so <laughs> i I'm, I'm pretty sure it's for carnivores only oh, okay Are right, is it just you and your wife who are going no no, it's uh, me, Amber, Ashley, and Jen. So four of us. How about your mother-in-law, man? She didn't want to do it. Oh. She didn't. It's it's a little bit of a drive. We're We're like two hours south of Napa. So it's two hours on the train, I think. And then it's two hours to get home. So it's kind of a minimum of six-hour adventure. That would be a little bit rough on her. Oh, so, so
1: um, and then does the train go past, like, scenic places?
0: I guess. I've never done it before, but I would think that's the whole point.
1: Right.
0: Is yeah. Napa
1: really beautiful?
0: I have I was only there, like, twice. I think um, Chuck lived in the area for a little while. And so I went there one time or went around there when he lived in that area. He, I don't think he lived in Napa, but he lives close. Mm-hmm. And then um, that was the time that I, my, my dad was in a VA um, community slash hospital that was in Napa or, or right by you had to go through Napa, I think. So I just have that going from Chuck's house to see my dad um, in that VA Uh, housing it was really beautiful though uh right there by napa it was um like a castle it was it was literally like a chuck's house was no (laughs) the va place my dad was had a golf course and and all that it was an old like military something and but it was like a you know like a castle almost it was really cool oh
1: cool but, well, uh, what is Napa though? Is that all vineyards or something? Yeah,
0: it's wine country.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Oh, you know what? I did go there one other time. I had to pick up uh, for a customer when I was uh, in construction, we were putting in a motorized uh, gate access for their backyard.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so I had to drive to Napa to pick up uh, the the gate and the motor and all the components. So I drove there one time for that. Oh, okay. Back, back in the day when I was building in San Francisco and Oakland area.
1: Oh, okay. Well, dude, so, that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. What what time are you going tomorrow?
0: Uh, we're leaving around three, I think. Okay. So yeah, we're actually, you know, because Ashley wants to get there early. She doesn't want to be late. So yeah, it's going to be like a eight hour tour adventure.
1: An eight hour or
0: <laughs> 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 But yeah, it's a cool birthday present.
1: That's super cool. So,
0: that
1: was very uh, nice of her. Seems like you're always doing something fun, man. I'm happy for uh, you.
0: Uh, well, I mean, like playing a softball game isn't fun. I mean, it's fun, but I mean, it's not like it's, you know,
1: you going that, to though.
0: Disneyland.
1: Uh, I don't know. Is Disneyland fun anymore?
0: I I don't know. I To me, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And um. well, I like Pirates of the Caribbean. That's about all I can
1: say, too. That's probably my favorite ride ever.
0: Yeah. Um, but
1: Disneyland's a big mob scene now that costs millions of dollars.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like you pay all that money to go stand in line. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy place now. I'm not even really sure if it's worth it. It, it There used to legitimately be like a magic feeling in the air at Disneyland. And the last time I, I went there, there was no magic at all. It just felt like a technocracy. It felt like you yeah. we were in a dystopian science fiction film or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I those those things really aren't fun at least not fun for me and maybe they are for little kids but i remember going to disneyland when um god i had to have been pretty little but they used to give us books and you know you would it would have little tickets with different letters and then the rides would would be um you know a certain letter you know the better the ride the higher the letter like an e-ticket
1: yeah the e-ticket and was the best one
0: yeah but the booklet they'd give you it would have like five a's and four b's and it would go down and then when you got to the e's there were like two <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you'd have to go buy another booklet right and and or whatever or you could go buy just like an e-ticket i think i think
1: these were like teacups, and then the e-ticket was like pirates of the caribbean
0: Yeah. And uh so, you know, now it's, you know, all encompassing, right? One price all the rides. Mm -hmm. But God, I it it's over a hundred bucks
1: Oh, way over that. I forgot. I checked fairly recently, I can't remember what it was, but there's no one who hasn't commented on the fact that it's way overpriced now. It's just crazy. Um
0: Yeah, I, I just
1: I weirdly no. feel kind of obligated to take my son there at some point, um, but probably not for a few years so that he, you know, he'll really appreciate it when we do go.
0: Yeah.
1: But I'm in no hurry. <laughs> it's
0: just, no. It's
1: not the same place anymore at all. And I, no. I never really took to the California adventure. Like, have you? Have
0: I never you, been to that one.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think it's really worth it. Probably if you're going to go to all the hassle and expense of being there you should at least stick with the original park because it's got like the what were formerly the cool rides
0: um yeah you know what's fun over there though that i do like what is um they've got i don't remember what it's called but it's like a dinner and then they have li- live or or real jousting and stuff really yeah on horses is like they What's that in in Disneyland itself? Or no, it's not in Disneyland. It's it's um, either over by that or over by Knott's Berry Farm. It's by one of them. But you you go in. They have two dinner choices. It's either the uh, pirate ship or the uh knights. And if you do the knights one, you get. You know, you, you're, you're sitting in the arena like they used to in the 1600s and, you know, uh, they've got the dirt and they've got the horses and and the jousting and all that. Right. And then they serve you in bowls and, and, and whatever, but it's like dinner and and you're watching knights joust and sword fight and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like a whole play, but it's really cool. And are they really jousting, or is it? Well, I mean, yeah, they're really jousting and falling, but I don't think they're really like, I think the sticks break automatically. You know what I mean? They're not really like breaking the spears on people. Oh, is it? Wait, is it called Medieval Times? Yeah, that's it. Medieval Times. I've heard of that. Yeah, it was fun. And then the other one. What's that?
1: You went to it. Yeah. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, I, I did that one. And then I did the uh, right, you know, the other part of it is the pirate ship. And it's kind of the same thing. It's a little little more interactive. So for the kids, the pirate ship is is kind of cool too. What um, happens
1: with the pirates?
0: I don't remember.
1: Actually, the pirate one sounds more interesting to me.
0: Yeah, but it was that that was cool, right? I mean, that it might have been like sixty five bucks a person. But it was like a meal, and it was entertaining ah. I don't remember what it cost. I don't know what it costs, but it was actually you know you're sitting down, it's air conditioned, you're not waiting in line, you're getting served food, you know, and you're and you're getting entertained. That was worth it to me more than paying a hundred bucks to go into Disneyland to then have to pay ten dollars for a two dollar bo- for a dollar bottle of water
1: yeah <laughs> you know
0: and stand in line
1: yeah the so. last time i was there i also like at disneyland i felt like they oversold the park or something because and it, I, I really felt it was unsafe like uh we were standing outside the haunted mansion and everywhere not just in the line to get on the ride i was shoulder to shoulder with people just the, the streets that you walk on in disneyland the grass you might walk across every inch of the whole place was a person and you're we just packed in there like sardines and, and i was just thinking man if anything happened here if if like there's any kind of an incident and these people stampede people are gonna die like, you know. It, you're
0: all going to die. Gonna,
1: that's why I started screaming right at Disneyland. are <laughs> all going to die.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd go over well.
1: Yeah, they love it when you do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you want attention, go to Disneyland and say that. Yeah. You'll get all the attention you want. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I thought I really thought this is actually unsafe. Like the, the and so I don't know. And and now it's been that was a long time ago. Um, but I've not been in a hurry to go back because of that. Probably should just go watch some people jousting, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I would do.
1: <laughs>
0: Definitely. Yay! Oh, I got some good news about the show too. Oh, okay. Check it out. Let me let me uh um find it here. We picked up some new listeners, cool. Right, I told you that the other day. So what's cool is we picked up uh, our latest uh, new country is New Zealand, cool. But the the city in New Zealand is I don't even know how to say it. It's A U C K L A N D, Auckland. Auckland. Yeah. So a shout out to the folks in. Auckland, New Zealand. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Very cool. I love these names that I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> but and then a, a, another update. France, just if anybody's keeping score, France had well besides the United States, but outside of the United States, France is now the leading country for listeners in with uh when regards to two men with a mic france has taken the lead over india
1: oh we have the most listeners in france
0: outside of the united states
1: oh wow that's kind of cool yeah
0: it was india but france stepped up to the mic (laughs) and uh has overtaken india so you know congratulations france um, out for outside of the United States, you're our number one country.
1: Come oh, man And then
0: you know, welcome New Zealand and the people in Auckland. and um, you know, since you're new to the show, just in case you don't know, you can find all of our stuff at twomenwithamike.com That's the number two Men with a mic.com. That that sounded cool, huh? I was like an advertiser, he dot he song,
1: DJ or something. <laughs> DJ Mitch.
0: This is Wolfman Jack.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Remember that? Remember that uh, show? I loved that show. Uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, that was a good show. That yeah, about good. those guys being like, disc jockeys.
1: That was a smart comedy, and it had uh, very fleshed out, three dimensional amusing characters it was it was like a cut above yeah a, a regular sitcom I don't know what was going on there but they they did something right with that show
0: yeah that was awesome it was the whole thing was about a, a, a radio station mm-hmm. and it really only took place in you know their set wasn't very big no I think it, it was just the radio station all the time yeah it was basically the radio station it was the receptions area the the DJ booth and the, the manager's office or something.
1: Yeah. Once in a while, like, I think they would do someone's apartment, but mostly it was just in there. And I, I love the, the premise of the show is that a guy who turns radio stations into hit radio stations, um, and usually does it by showing up and then like firing everybody and bringing in expensive talent and stuff like that. He gets to this radio station and everybody's an eccentric and an oddball and not necessarily really bringing in the ratings, but they're all such interesting people um, that he decides not to fire them and just work with what's there. Um, So I like that because that's what a a rock and roll radio station is supposed to be. It's supposed to be polished talent. It's supposed to be like the oddballs and the eccentrics and stuff. Yeah. That was kind of a a cool premise for it.
0: So if there's still any rock and roll stations out there and you need some oddball people, Mike and I are up for the gig. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: think there are any renegade DJs anymore or renegade rock and roll stations. I was
0: just going to say, are there even any rock and roll stations? I mean,
1: I mean there are, but I, I think they're all, um, they're all just programmers, dude. It's, it's pretty silly. I think rock itself is dead. I think it's been dead since the 90s. Um
0: well oh, there was definitely no rock in the nineties. That that was never that was
1: Well, I think that was the last of it. I think it petered out in the nineties.
0: Um,
1: but uh yeah, radio stations are it's sad, dude. I mean, um I kind of like there there's a radio station around here um called Jack Fm.
0: And I don't think they Oh, have... I know Jack. You don't know Jack, but that's a that's like a, a recorded like thing yeah it's not yeah, really live DJs. They have
1: djs
0: no um no they don't i used to listen to jack
1: okay the only reason i like that is because they create play, play a variety of stuff
0: yeah like but at they, least they, that way you know the djs aren't fault uh, spreading false anything because there are no djs yeah it um they mostly <laughs> they mostly just
1: stay irreverent and it's like a recorded voice um and then they mix it up like they they play a rock song they'll play a country song they'll play a rap song they'll play a top 40 song um like they skip around to all different genres and so i kind of like it for that where yeah. if, if you listen to like klos these days those guys are just zombie robots who just do whatever the deep state tells them to do like you should get a vaccine today boy i have loved my vaccines and uh, it's just it's just crazy like you, you used to listen to a rock and roll station because you would want to hear a rebellious free-spirited dj and rebellious free-spirited music and those guys are are just on the take and then they um they just play the same old music dude it's like 30 year old rock like you're gonna hear led zeppelin stairway to heaven during the day and you're going to
0: hear
1: like, rolling <laughs> and, st- uh, yeah
0: and only the top 50 from the 80s right it's not even yeah like, like unique ones that you haven't heard in a long time because they're not popular it's yeah. like the yeah. same it's, 50 songs you know,
1: rolling stone sympathy for the devil which is apparently a complete confessional song <laughs> <laughs> um and then that's about it I, I i and then um here and there like they'll they'll say oh here's a new band and um like any new music that they're calling rock that i have heard on klos has been utter trash dude just like and it's like those are those guys are supposed to be the ones that know like oh yeah you know unknown bands in la like here's a cool one and it's not dude it's like the most cliched um just common boring non-entry into like rock that you've ever heard it's it's really
0: disturbing actually oh hey that reminds me um our guest for the episode right we were introduced to her from our buddy david right and so i want to give a shout out to grass mountain and a shout out to david yeah and shout out to david because without him we wouldn't have our our guest that's coming on today but what i wanted to say is for everyone out there so saturday september 3rd from one thirty to four thirty, grass mountain will be playing live and in person at the cold springs tavern in santa barbara so uh check them out if you can get out there it's great barbecue and you know even though it's in the middle of nowhere, up in the mountains, and kind of gives you that deliverance fill, you'll be okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you really guarantee that, Cap? <laughs> no, but their barbecue's good. You just don't know if it's human or animal. But... I did just watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 again, so <laughs> I, I have
1: some ideas about what might be in that barbecue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but... Yeah, check check it out man if you guys can you know the people from New Zealand if you know you, you have you have enough time book a flight, fly into you know California then you know rent a car and add it from LAX and Santa Barbara is about two mile two hours up the coast and then it's about 30 40 minutes into the middle of the mountains in the middle of nowhere down a dark scary road, windy road. You'll find um, an old hundred-year-old building with barbecue going and a band playing. All the drinks you want to buy. <laughs> so all you guys in France
1: and New Zealand and uh, oh, did you say
0: that we got we have a
1: listener in Egypt now?
0: Oh yeah, and Egypt. I forgot to add Egypt.
1: If you want to hear some good bluegrass. Just head on over to the Cold Springs Tavern and listen to David and his Grass Mountain Band. Yep, those guys are real musicians. Uh, that's what's the coolest thing about them. Like they're they're the real deal. Um, yep. And uh, I also find it very interesting because they all come from like heavy metal backgrounds. Like yeah, they do. Yeah, like uh, David always says that uh, his favorite band is Black Sabbath. <laughs> But for some reason they went bluegrass, but as they've said, like when we had them on the show in the interview, they're kind of like experimental bluegrass, like they're sort of progressive and there's, there's definitely like um, huge streaks of rock in, in what they're doing. But the cool thing about them is that they're totally real and polished musicians playing organic, real music, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can hear that whole story in our episode the return of grass mountain yeah if you want to and they're actually play live on the episode so that's pretty cool
1: yeah we gotta have them back on.
0: yeah maybe um well they're probably preparing for their show well i guess a little bit of time we'll try and get them on maybe we'll record something and you're gonna go to that show at the cold springs tavern oh yeah i'm going definitely yep definitely going
1: Cool,
0: man. I'm going to take my daughter to the bar again. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well, figure it out. Maybe I'll get some of the other, you know, of my kids to show up to the bar and hang out with me. Cause that's every father's dream that he can get his kids to the bar to hang out with them. That's right. Right. I mean, what? I mean, come on. That's some seriously good parenting.
1: It certainly is. How to yeah. be a super parent.
0: Yep. I'm writing the book on it. (laughs) (laughs) One bar at a
1: time. There you go. (laughs) Chapter one, Cold Springs Tavern and Parenting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The first thing you have to do is know a bluegrass band. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun. If you can make it, great. If you can't, well, then I guess you're lost.
1: Well, maybe you'll do a recording while you're there. and We can play
0: it on the show or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll make another video. I put a video on Facebook. I guess you can still find it. Are those things like can do you know? Like can people go back and find old things you posted?
1: I I think the posts just stay up indefinitely.
0: Do they? Yeah. Okay. I think so. If not, I'll I'll post it when we release this episode. So if you're listening to this, then if you go on Facebook, you should be able to find the video I made for um, the last time Amber and I were at Cold Springs Tavern. Well, now that we've uh, plugged David and Grass Mountain and our and episode- France, Egypt, and New Zealand. Yeah, and the episode, The Return of Grass Mountain. We can probably talk about this episode. Okay. <laughs> so we can get to the here and now. Oh wait, we already did that episode too. So you guys just need to go back and re-listen to every single episode. There's only like, 37 or something of them.
1: And when you do, tell me what happened in them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let us know because <laughs> um, we don't always remember. Yeah. <laughs> but And and just in case the new folks don't know it, you know, if you go on to our two men with a mic, that's the number two men with a mic.com. And you go to the about section down at the bottom of that, you can click on that and you can leave us a voice message and we can play the voice message on the episode. Oh, that'll So be cool. we'd love to hear from you guys. Do it, we wanna hear your voices. Yeah, you can only do 30 seconds at a time. So you have to get creative like Amber, leave multiple voice messages, and then we can link them together, you know, into whatever. But just be aware that it cuts you off at 30 seconds. Yeah, So.
1: cool, well, man. we are the world.
0: yeah we're touching the world one podcast at a time that's right all right so great anticipation and a lot of work we were able to uh book a very unique guest uh thanks to the referral from david right via text he sent me a text he goes hey mitch i've got a customer that i think would be great for the podcast I told her about you guys and here's her number. Give her a call. And so I called, you know, not knowing really anything other than her name. And then she uh, what, you know, we, we talked about booking on a, you know, she was busy. We set a date and then um, that date we set, she ended up in the middle of a book tour and couldn't come on the show. So we set a new date because she was on tour and then uh, she was unable to make that date because she's so busy. And we pushed it off another month and it finally, finally, after two or three months of manipulating schedules and all that, it finally happened. So um, our guest is Lise Wheel. And she is, among other things, an author. And her latest book is called A Spy in Plain Sight. And it's the true story, the inside story, of the FBI and Robert Hansen, who is America's most damaging Russian spy. So Robert Hansen was an American who decided to commit treason as an employee of the FBI and sell our secrets to the Russians.
1: And there you have it. (laughs) Now, this should be interesting, and I think David built her a good
0: pool. Yeah, yeah, from the sounds of it, he built her an excellent pool. So, you know, that's the other thing. Actually, if you go to Cold Springs Tavern, you buy a barbecue and a couple of shots and you buy the band because it's tradition to buy the band a beer. Then once you get David nice, tired, and a little tipsy, you could probably negotiate your pool.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> well, I think you were expecting lease right about now. But that's just not the case. We got Mike and Gowan in the backyard and that's right. a song of the episode to do still. <laughs> Say hello. Oh, he says hello. <laughs> did you, could you hear that?
1: A little bit. <laughs> he gave you an enthusiastic scream.
0: There we go. All right. Let's get on with it. Let's do this thing, man. The
1: song of the episode is from a movie
0: called The Falcon and
1: the Snowman, which was about people selling secrets to foreign powers. And uh, David Bowie did a song for the movie called This Is Not America. Which at the time, I guess this is the 80s, was like this enormous hit. Like you could not turn the radio on without hearing that song, like constantly. Yeah. So it's taken 20 years to get that song out of our heads. Now we're going to put it (laughs) right back in.
0: (laughs) It's never going away, man. (laughs) We're going down! We're going down, dude! It's
1: that song again! I remember keeping <laughs> it on the radio in our car in the parking lot of high school. Yep. <laughs> How long did you say that song was? It's seven minutes and forty-four seconds long. Bowie is always long-winded though, dude. You think? Yeah. <laughs> God rest his soul. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is Not America from the movie The Falcon and the Snowman.
0: By David Bowie. Check it out as song of the episode. (laughs) Now we can bring Liz on. All right. Welcome, welcome.
2: Hey there, guys. I'm here. Hello.
0: Hello. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, Mike and I appreciate your time. So, thank you so much (laughs) for joining us. So, welcome and thank you. And you actually... um, are we have a mutual friend? We so do. We wanted to thank we wanted to thank David <laughs> for introducing us. David Grass yes. Mountain.
2: He's he's great. He's the former brother in law of probably my best friend here in Santa Barbara, Aaron, um, mm-hmm. who also sold me my house. And you know the house just cried out for a pool, and so she gave me David's name, and he did a fabulous job. I mean, it looks fantastic.
1: I was going to ask how are you enjoying the pool?
2: Oh my gosh, and my daughter's here with her boyfriend staying this month and they're enjoying it. I, we're we're in there every afternoon. It's just fantastic. It looks like it's out of a magazine. I mean, he did an amazing job.
1: That's cool. He's yeah. a great guy. I've known David since I was 12 years old. Oh. Yeah.
2: So yeah. a whole 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Has it been that long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we, he's good, man. He's yeah, a great had guy. Some
0: fun.
2: I can see that. I can see Dave uh, having some fun.
0: <laughs> have you uh, heard his music or, or his band play? They play at um, that. Have you been to that Cold Springs Tavern?
2: Yeah, I have. Do they play there? That's, that's yeah. a good day.
0: Yeah, my daughter and I, I live up in Northern California, so I live up by, uh, like, Livermore. Right. Kind of. So we drove down there, what is it, like a month
2: ago, Mike? Something like that? So
0: we drove down there and uh, hung out at Cold Springs Tavern while they were playing. and oh, stuff. Oh, so, that's
2: a treat. That's a real treat.
0: Yeah. It was fun. That place is a little scary, though. It's kind of like, you know, uh, Deliverance. Yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's some scary dudes there. And dudes too.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That kid with the banjo just joined Grass Mountain, too. Did you know that? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the, kid with the banjo.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was fun stuff.
2: Oh, good. Well, I want to go. he has got He's remiss in not telling me where he's playing. because um, go. He's got
1: another. I think they're going to do another gig there in September sometime. So you might ask him about it. Oh, I'm sure yeah. he'd be happy to have you come.
2: I'll text him when we're done and just uh, ask and tell him I did this. And, and uh, you know, when is he playing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to go It's just a bit far away from me, but one of these days I'll make it up there for it.
2: Absolutely. So we got
1: just going again. You're going to go in September, aren't you, Mitch?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I need an excuse to take my 18 year old daughter to a bar.
2: <laughs> try, try I'm, sure, I'm sure she'll year. be very appreciative
0: yes
1: how old is your daughter
2: she's 25
1: oh uh, okay well she's yeah. old enough to go with you then
2: oh of course she would be <laughs> drum, drumming with the band
0: <laughs> yeah what books have you published
2: the Spy in Plain Sight was my 20th book wow yeah wow. yeah it makes me feel old <laughs>
0: So the, plot, the Spy in Plain Sight is your latest book. It's about our... Um, is he considered our our number one
2: spy? He, or yeah, not? he's right up there because he spied for so long. It was 20 years. And so, you know, you can just imagine, or I'll tell you, about some of the things that he gave over to the Russians. I mean, yeah, 20, yeah, 20 years of spying. So he started... With giving up the information of one of our major Russian assets. So he
1: he was an FBI agent, right?
2: Yes, yeah. And then,
1: but then he was the turncoat. He was spying and he was giving information to Russia, right?
2: Exactly. Okay. Yes, so
1: what information did he give them?
2: Well, the first the first uh, missive was he gave them the information about one of our top Russian assets, and by Russian assets, I mean people that are there in Russia, in the intel community, in the security community, that are working for us, right, and that are helping us, because as much information as, you know, politicians get, or drones get, whatever, uh, we need people on the ground that are actually giving us information, and he gave over the the name, number, and you know, name, rank, and serial number, basically, of this of this guy, Dmitry Polikov, and so the book opens with how the Russians execute this guy Polykov, in the most horrendous of ways. They Whoa. even, yeah, they even um, videotape it so that it'll hopefully deter other people from in Russia from becoming spies for us. So you know, he started with that, and he would trickle those names and contacts throughout his twenty years of spying, and really depleted all of our Russian assets. I mean, we had nobody on the ground anymore. Uh, and he gave over nuclear secrets, you know plans, he gave over information about where the president and vice president would be at any time if the Russians wanted to you know launch an attack. So I mean really tops up because he was at the very highest level of the FBI in the counter espionage division Russian division. So he knew everything and he was very involved in IT computers and by and large, FBI agents are not really big on computers, and that's not what they do. You know, they like to make arrests, knock down doors. You know, that kind of (laughs) oh, you know, the the fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah, the fun stuff. And 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 (laughs) Hansen didn't really do that much of that, but he was really into the computers, so uh, they let him go with that. And of course, if you have access to everything that's in all the data banks you have access to top secret information. That's, you know, worth a lot of money okay. and he sold it. Can, can
0: I ask a, a, a question kind of backing up on that?
2: Yeah.
0: Is what motivated you to pick this topic? I mean, it's, um, I don't know. It, it, this, this is from, you know, the eighties, right? Was that, well, he got caught in 2000.
2: Yeah. He got right, caught right. 20 years ago. Exactly. But, I my dad um, was an FBI agent back in the day, and I'd heard about Hanson you know through him a lot, and about how he was this really black mark against the FBI and how did the FBI allow that you know he was there in plain sight oh. this all this time, and then I was a federal prosecutor and as a prosecutor I worked with a lot of FBI, FBI agents I have a good network of FBI and CIA agents that I can tap into. And it just seemed like fascinating story to me. Who is this guy? Who was this guy? Why did he do it? What motivated him? Why didn't they catch him? You know, all of these things, these questions I wanted answers to. And I figured with that 20 years of hindsight, you know, since it's arrest and and right. prosecution, that you know, I could tell I could tell history in a fresher light. And that's what I set out to do and and I got great information from you know, it's packed full of the book is packed full of f- firsthand, first source material that is interviews with all of the people involved, all the people that knew him, the people that went after him, the people that he hurt, you know. Um, and so that to me is fascinating because I'm interested in people telling their stories.
0: How um, how was how were they reacting to kind of I mean, that's this, this is like a scar, right? you Yes. You're... That you're you're scraping the wound, you know, picking at yes. it. I'm just curious, how, what was their attitude? Were they wanting to share or were, did you get a lot of resistance?
2: You know, again, my background helped me because being a former prosec- federal prosecutor and having a dad that's in the, that was in the FBI, that gave me, I'm, I gave me an entrance to what we call sort of a federal family. I mean, it's sort of a, not the mafia, it's the it's law enforcement federal family, <laughs> right. you know. And so um, when I would call people, they if I were j- just a journalist, I would put that in quotes, just, um, they may have hung up on me, but they wouldn't hang up on me because of my background. And because I'd also published a book a year or two earlier Called hunting the Unabomber, and that was the longest hunt that the FBI ever went through. That was twenty years of hunting for Ted Kaczynski, and they made a lot yeah, of I mistakes. Remember all that. Yeah, they made a lot of mistakes, but they also got them in the end. And I think the FBI thought, as an entity, that I treated them fairly in that book. You know, I called out where they were, you know, faulty, but right. I also I also praised them where they were good, and so I think they trust me. Um, which is when you're trying to get interviews and you're trying to get sources, that is the number one thing is is getting their trust. And so I, I got Mike Rochford, who was the main guy um, investigating Hanson. And from Rochford, because he trusted me and liked me, he gave me other names and I could say, Rochford said, you know, I should call you. <laughs> See, that kind of thing. You know you know how to play yeah. the game. And, and then I, I lucked out with some things. I lucked out in finding the... Widow of Brian Kelly, Patricia McCarthy, who told me about you know the what happened with Brian Cle- Kelly. Brian Kelly was a guy, a CIA agent, who they thought at first was the spy, and ruined his life. Poor guy. I mean, outed him, oh, arrested him. You know, made it public. His daughter was in the CIA, and they walked her out of the office. Um, you know, in plain sight of everybody else. They accosted his, ch- his other children, his wife. I mean, it was really awful. And so Patricia told me that story. And from her, I got to his brother-in-law, Hanson's brother-in-law, who had this amazing exchange with Brian Kelly, all in emails, about their theory of what happened. And those emails had never been published, never been seen. But Mark Walk, for whatever reason, trusted me to give me the emails and the correspondence. So I could get more, you know, because Brian Kelly's dead. I, he can't tell a story, but right. the emails tell it a lot of it. So I was just able to get to sources. Uh, I got to his psychiatrist, uh, who talked to me about motivation and who Hanson was, and and you know the guy had seen him a couple times a week for two years. So that gave me a different insight. Oh, and then I got his best friend, Jack hoshower who um agreed to talk to me we did several skype interviews and he still cons- considers himself his best friend so through jack i got you know what he was like as a kid what it was growing up was like all of that so the book is is really based on all of these amazing first-hand sources i was lucky enough to get and and most of them were were gotten of course during the pandemic so people had more time on their hands and that helped <laughs> me too yeah that
0: was good time
1: for writers right
2: yeah exactly
1: Einstein. Something I was gonna ask you about because you said you met with his psychiatrist and and so you got insight into his motivation. I'm wondering what what is his motivation? Why did he do that?
2: Well, a lot of things. I mean, first of course is money. Um, Hansen was a devout Catholic. He was married to Bonnie and converted to Catholicism. He wanted all his kids uh, to go to private schools, Catholic schools. And when he was transferred to New York from Chicago, he decided to live in a very fancy suburb, Scarsdale, um, and, you know, buy a very expensive house. So he needed money. I mean, and I know you can't afford that, right, an FBI salary. When my dad, my dad was in the FBI for a long time, but when they tried to transfer him to New York City, I, I was little, my mom was working on her PhD, and my dad said, my dad said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit." He became a federal prosecutor um, because he said, "I can't afford to live in New York environs and support my my family. I'll have to be, you know, commuting a couple hours a day, and I don't want to do that." But Hanson, you know, got this fancy house, so he needed. did nobody
0: mind. notice that?
2: Well, that hence the title of the book, "A Spy in Plain <laughs> Sight."
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, Hello.
2: But, yeah. So. So money was a big motivator, but I don't think that was all of it. It was also, and this is confirmed by his psychiatrist, he, he's the kind of guy, and we all know people like this, and they're so darn annoying, that is the smartest guy in the room, right? He has to know everything about everything. He has to be smarter than you. He has to show his intelligence all the time. And that was Hanson. So when he got into the FBI and they didn't like, you know, fall over uh, his feet and kiss his feet, he thought, I'm not appreciated. So he's got to be the smartest guy, doesn't feel like he's appreciated by these FBI agents who he doesn't think are as smart as he is. And meanwhile, the Russians, when he approached them, by the way, he approached them, they didn't even come to him, he approached them, they were flowery letters and. Lovey dovey, and you're our best friend, and you're so smart, and you're so this and that. So he, they, they got his number. I mean, they knew how to pamper him and coddle him, and he wasn't getting any of that in the FBI. And then from Jack Hoschauer another motivation could have been that from a very young age he had this sort of James Bond complex, right? He he loved everything. I <laughs> <You> don't know <laughs> anything about that. About okay. that. Nothing <laughs> about that. One of the cool gadgets and, the, and saving women and all of that. Meanwhile, though, in real life, Hanson is kind of a nerd. I love nerds. Nothing against nerds. I'm a nerd. But he, he was a nerd. And all kind of dour expression. Wasn't socializing. Didn't socialize well with other people. Um, wore black. he was in the FBI all the time so they called him the mortician (laughs) he was just not he was anything he was 180 degrees from a James Bond but I think playing the spy game probably fed into that need for him to be smart you know uh, James Bond I'm going to save the world and get money while I'm at it so all of those things you put them in a pot gave him that motivation but well, and the thing the thing is just I'm sorry to interrupt but the thing is about it that's heard to me after I wrote the book is wait a second, all those things I just ticked off, I'll bet you know somebody like that, right? It's not that uncommon to feel underappreciated at work, to feel like you're smarter than other people, to feel like, you know, you wanna have a sexy life, to need money. I mean, that's a pretty these are pretty common things. It's Yeah, just, that's
0: every day for me. Right.
2: <laughs> but but see, the difference is Yeah, I doubt taken you, down doors. yeah, yeah <laughs> the difference is I doubt you have access to top secret information that can hurt the United States, right? I mean, that's the difference.
1: Well, I mean, did he want to hurt the United States or the FBI? Did he feel he was exposing anything about like our country or that organization? Like, did he have some kind of moral high ground at all?
2: I think he did, I think he rationalized it, you know, this is via his psychiatrist talking to me, that because he would be like, well, you know, by giving over this information to the Russians, I'm just showing them our weaknesses and we will, we will shore up our weaknesses, you know, we'll get better because of this. Mm. I mean, it's ridiculous, it's, it's, it's stupid reasoning, if you can call it reasoning, but I think that that's how he thought, right? we don't, I mean, I wouldn't agree with it, but to understand the way he thought and he compartmentalized the other word that the, the psychiatrists use a lot was he compartmentalized things.
0: Right. Like he could
2: be this devout Catholic and he could say the Russians are godless people and they're commies and all that. And, and portray himself that way, but compartmentalized in his mind, you know, doing something different. It's bizarre. I can't, You you know, you and I don't think like that, I hope. But,
1: um, you know, because James Bond doesn't sell secrets to the Russians. Except that one time when he fell from the weather balloon into the Sea of Japan and he was recovered by the Russians and then they Uh, brainwashed him to go and kill M. But that was it. You know, I I missed
2: that one. I got
1: it. (laughs) That's you only live twice the book and The Man with the Golden Gun, respectively. Not that I've read every single book. Oh, wait. Yes, I have. (laughs)
2: Yes, <laughs> right. I mean, no, yeah. but if
1: he thinks he's James Bond, like James Bond is a hero. And yeah. so he, how does he twist that in his mind to I'm going to betray my country?
2: Because, because of, of this idea that by betraying country, you're actually doing us a favor because we're going to get stronger, you know, because I mean, of yeah. that. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to make sense of something that's nonsensical. It's but... like that
0: abusive parent, right? Yeah. You
2: know?
0: Or that, or that, if you don't stop crying, I'm gonna spank you.
2: Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the kid's crying uh, because you spanked him. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: because he didn't get enough love. Because, because he said the FBI didn't appreciate him enough. So
2: he's like, I'll show you. Yeah, kind of. And well, talking about not getting enough love, like his his friend Jack Hoshaw told me that you know his father was I would say I don't think anybody would disagree was abusive. I mean, would you know? do really abusive things to him. Like he was a cop himself and he made sure that his son didn't pass his driver's license when he turned 16 or driver's test when he didn't turn 16, you know, called him stupid, you know, beat him up. I mean, you know, real abusive things. So yeah, I guess he didn't get enough love, but I mean, there are a lot of people and sadly that are, you know, slightly abused as children and don't become major foreign spies
0: yeah mike didn't get his license that first time either
2: <laughs> that's a different now I realize it was
0: a plot yeah. <laughs> we were all standing there giving him a hard time about it
1: yeah yeah i had a date with a girl and it was all contingent on me being able to drive a car to pick her up and i went to take my <laughs> driver's license test thinking i'd just ace it and then i didn't pass. And so mm. I had to cancel my day with the girl. And it was like oh
2: man. Yeah,
1: I'm still not over it really.
2: I could tell. I could tell the wound is very fresh. It's <laughs> even four years later.
0: And then you know how he took it out? He burned up my car. Oh no. <laughs> our I logo. Don't know. The, the logo that- with
2: us
1: driving a burning Volkswagen was because that really happened.
2: That's that's sociopath written all over it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little nervous. I'm gonna
1: weird. blame it on the DMV. Yeah,
2: I'm getting a little nervous here, guys. <laughs> we're okay as
0: long as we're on our meds.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you stay on your meds and don't and burn my address.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it take? I mean, this sound I mean your description there sounds like a lot of work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How she long said, did it yeah, take she, to do yeah. this? It took from beginning to end um, two years. Two years. Whoa.
1: Yeah. Did to you interview him?
2: No. Uh, he there per his plea agreement with the government. Neither he nor his wife can ever speak to anybody about it, uh, uh-huh. which makes sense, right? They don't want him blabbing to people. So no, he's he's locked up in Florence, Colorado, in a supermax prison hanging out with folks like the unabomber and el chapo and uh 23 hours a day solitary confinement so in their oh, one wow. hour a day yeah they can hang out together
1: 20 years of being in solitary confinement
2: yeah oh my gosh oh i'm not crying i'm not crying for him though smallest violin in the world is playing for him please
0: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so do we know exactly how many lives he? he took by doing this? Or do they not have a number? I don't
2: think they will ever really know. I mean, you can count, say, like five. Um, and then I think they put the information that he sent, you know, gave them over the years to about $10 billion, $10 billion worth of information. No. But, but, you know, it's hard to quantify, and especially for the lost lives. I mean, you can't really put a price on that, right? How, so that-
1: how did he contact them? And then how did he deliver the information to them?
2: Well, his first contact was a letter to this guy named Cherkoshin, who became his handler. And he basically just said, you know, I'm a guy. I didn't say that he was an FBI agent. Didn't, didn't give his name. They never knew who he was, actually, until he was arrested and found out with the rest of the world. But um, he said, I have information. And like I said, that first information was about this major Russian asset. They verified it, and they were off to the races. And they so all the communications were via letter, Um, and then the drops. Hanson himself would dictate how the drops would happen. You know, he would there would be. I mean, very rudimentary, like a a local park. um, If you put a signal, you know, a tape going vertically, that meant he'd made the drop, and then they'd come and put it horizontally, meaning they'd given him the money. Um, So it was very low tech, but it worked. Low tech worked.
0: Did they get all the money back from him?
2: Uh, us? You mean the U.S. government? No. I mean, he'd spent a, a lot of it. Um, nah. I don't think they recovered much at all.
0: Didn't he have a daughter, or was it just his wife?
2: Well, he had a, he had a couple of daughters, um, and they they're really were, were out of it. But the wife, you know, it's really interesting with the wife, because she, early on in his spying career, if you want to call it a career, um, she... Saw some money in like a sock drawer and just cash, right? And so she thinks he's having an affair and he's using that money to fund his mistress. So she confronts him. Yeah, she says, What's this, you know, Bob? And he says, Oh, no, no, I'm not cheating. I'm just buying for the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's a okay. don't worry, babe. Don't worry, it's, all baby. Good. it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So they're being devout Catholics. Bonnie <laughs> says, "Let's go to the priest, and the priest will tell us what we should do about this." So I sound like I'm starting a joke. So they go to the priest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a double agent and his wife, yeah. And yeah, the the priest, priest in a bar.
2: A priest in a bar. <laughs> and and the priest says, um "Okay." buying equals bad you know don't do that but i'll absolve you if you just give over the money that you've made so far to the church which hansen does and goes on his merry way (laughs) Uh, wow yeah yeah it's bad and so um we don't know what bonnie knew after that you know, she was always given money in cash for groceries and purchases and things like that. Her her budget, you know, was given to her by Hanson in cash. They lived in, like I said, in fancy places, both in New York and in D.C. Um, but we don't know that she actually knew he was spying after that first escapade with the priest. Um, she was interviewed, you know, obviously many times by the FBI after he was arrested. And they did not prosecute her. And and that was, you know, Hanson said, look, I'll do anything. Just don't prosecute Bonnie. You know, at the end, he showed a little bit of love for her.
1: How, how did the bust go down? Like, how did they catch him and stuff?
2: Oh, it's really dramatic. So this guy, Rochford that I mentioned earlier to you, Mike Rochford, FBI agent,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he um, kind of woke up one day. He was in charge of all the Russian assets. And he's like, oh my gosh. Um, He said he swore. I I actually use swear words in the book because I have to because they're FBI agents. But he says, oh my gosh, um, we don't have any assets anymore. I mean, they're all dead. So somebody from the inside must be tipping them off. I mean, how else would the Russians know who these guys are? And so they started an investigation, an FBI investigation. They Got a bunch of people together and put them in the vault, like this, you know, windowless place where they could run a matrix of, to see who was in it. And I called them the Vault People. Actually, they call themselves that. They call themselves that. And they were tasked with, you know, academically, mathematically, trying to figure out what agent, whether it be CIA or FBI, could have had the intel to give over to the Russians, you know, all of the time. And so they started this matrix. Uh, And here's the problem. Rochford being an FBI agent, the agents being assigned to this task of finding the mole, being FBI agents, they were very reluctant, is a kind word, to think that it could be one of their own, right? Once you're in the FBI, you're trusted. Couldn't possibly be one of our own. So they they were inclined to think it could be a CIA agent. And that's how they came up with Brian Kelly's name. They got the wrong guy first. Um, but after the arrest of Kelly, there was still more, still more assets being killed. So they came to realize, even though they did reluctantly, that it wasn't Kelly. And Rochford got then a, a good break. He had a contact in Russia, a source in Russia, who said to him, for the you know handy dandy price of $7 million, and relocation witness protection all of that um i'll i will give you some audio tape of the spy the mole talking to his handler and also a fingerprint but the main thing was the audio tape so for seven million dollars what a deal um they got this audio tape and the people in the vault listened to it and to their bewilderment and amazement it's like that's Hanson. That's the mortician. Because he kind of talked in that, you know, dour sort of way, you know, and, and whispering almost, kind of a whisper. And that's, that's Robert Hanson. So, but then, then they were stuck because then they realized, okay, it's not Kelly, it's Hanson. But all we have on him is the intel that we got from this Russian, Russian guy who doesn't want to testify, who got paid 7 million dollars so there it goes to his motivation, right? And that's not enough to prosecute him beyond a reasonable da- doubt in a courtroom. And the other twist on it was Hansen had only four more months to go in his FBI career before mandatory retirement. So they had Uh-oh. only four months to get this guy. And at that point they set up a major sting operation where they gave Hansen a new job, a new title, and a new office that had, they had bugged. Um, they gave him a, a new assistant who was read into the case and, you know, was was you know reporting back to the FBI. Um, and they got him. I mean, they got him actually making a drop. And when he made his last drop and they all swarmed in to arrest him, he said, he turned to them and said, what took you so long? I mean, that kind of hubris, <laughs> you know, even at the end. <laughs> Did
0: um, he ever truly, like, say he was sorry or, or, or
2: anything like that? Not really. I think he obviously was sorry that he got caught, and he was worried about protecting Bonnie. But I don't think he ever – I mean, to me, it was never true anymore. You know, it was like, oh, I'm so sorry, and I was really trying to help the country. But, you know, look, a guy like that, he's so far gone – that you can't really believe anything he says, to be honest, really. I mean, right. anything comes out of his mouth. Um, and he was trying to save himself because, of course, you know, espionage is punishable by death.
0: Well, yeah, that was my question was, that's what I thought. I thought, like, you you got your head cut off or something. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore?
2: No, it, it can. Um the attorney general at the time decided that it was more important to debrief him and Bonnie and get whatever information they still had, you know, to protect other sources, et cetera, oh, than it okay. was to, you know, kill him. But he's never getting out of prison. I mean, he's going to die there in that Florence uh, Supermax prison, along with El Chapo and Unabomber. I mean, he's he's <laughs> never getting
1: out. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and,
2: you know, depending on your philosophy, too, you can say some people would say that's even a harsher punishment because it's such an awful way to live your life
0: yeah yeah mike and i were talking about that in our last episode about you know if someone hurt our kids or something like that would you want to kill them or would you want to make them suffer for like like kill them and bring them back and do it again
2: i'd want
0: to make them suffer and then i want to kill them speaking of sociopaths
2: yeah. <laughs> You're turning to me now? <laughs> only, only when it comes to my kids, then I then I will admit to being a mama bear.
1: <laughs> that's what we were talking about the other day with regards to our children. Like that's when you go across the line.
2: Absolutely. I would do I would do anything for my kids.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite part of the book?
2: Oh boy. Um I guess I mean, it's hard to pin, but I would say one of the favorite revelations, although it's a scary revelation, is that, and I kind of uncovered a new thing, was um, at the end of every interview, I, you know, I did scores of interviews. At the end of every interview, I kind of started sort of as a throwaway line. I'd say, um, could there be another Hanson today? I thought that was a, you know, proper question to ask. And it became much more than a throwaway line because to a person all of these agents cia agents operative fbi agents said yes and then many of them followed up with and there probably already is and i thought oh crap uh, this is important to get this in the book you know that this is now i'm not talking about history i'm talking about right now today all of these super super talented high officials are saying, yep, it could happen again, it'll happen differently, you know, cyber, cyber communication, that kind of thing, hacking. But um, absolutely, there could be another mole in the FBI or the CIA. And that's, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely
1: scary. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Was
1: his favorite movie, The Falcon and the Snowman?
2: Was his, was his very yeah. you, know, you, know you, know you know what was weird? I know he
1: knows
2: that movie. Yeah, no, shower told me about this movie, and now I'm forgetting the name of it. It's an Italian movie that I watched, and it's just the weirdest thing about a double agent and him getting away, like the twists and turns. But it was like, oh, my gosh, that was his favorite movie. Apparently, according to Jack, that was his favorite movie.
1: Oh, really? It was oh, a about yeah, a spy? It, it's
2: in the book. I've just forgotten right now the name of it because it's in Italian. But, um, you know, I watched it with English subtitles, obviously. And I watched it going, oh, man, that's hitting close to home.
1: <laughs> I, it's just so bizarre. I don't, I don't, I, I'm still back to, like, how did he go from thinking he's James Bond to being a turncoat?
2: You know, people are able to rationalize, and again, we know this in our own lives, people are able to rationalize amazing things, you know, that they think that they're actually doing something good or, you know, it's, it's crazy to, to us because it doesn't make sense. But, you know, having been a, a prosecutor for a while, um, okay, here it is, Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. I'll, I'll get back to your question. but that's Wow, that's quite doing. a title. Yeah, Investigators, uh, this is translated, written and directed by Elio Petri, hmm. um, winner of the 1970 Oscar for Best Foreign Films, one of Hans, once of Han's favorite movie with many echoes of his own spy career. That's on page 287 of the book. Hmm. Yeah. It's weird. But anyway, people are able to rationalize amazing things in their life. People, you know, cheat, steal. Uh, Bribe, kill, and they're they're able to rationalize it. And Hanson's no different. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So he's done though. Like he'll never get out of jail, right?
2: No, no, he's in that Florence supermax uh, for the rest of his life. They debriefed him. They thought that was more important than executing him. And yeah, he's in twenty four hour or twenty three hour a day solitary confinement. So he will he will never get out. There is no possibility of parole for Robert Hanson. Good does he thing.
0: get to watch TV or
2: anything? I think so. I think in that one hour a day he does. And he gets to see his wife. I think she's she's visited. I don't think anybody else, everybody else I've talked to said no, they nobody's visited him.
1: Is he regretful? Like, did is he remorseful about it? Like I made a mistake, or or is he just I,
2: I think the remorse is all about getting caught. You know, oh. and, and that's so common in criminals that they their their mindset is just oh man i got caught and that's yeah that's really what mike bad.
0: and i thought every time we got caught I know,
2: <laughs> and then you just got to figure out a better way to commit the crime well that's what we did yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'm on to you i'm on to you there's a, there's a federal uh, van um uh you know right outside right now both of your houses I was just going to say,
1: should we be telling a federal prosecutor about
2: this? Yes, tell me everything. (laughs) And when did you rob that bank? (laughs) Oh,
0: that was years
2: ago. Yeah. Okay, no worries about it, then. Tell me more. We did
0: did escape the police helicopter with David, though. Oh, you did. did? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, you got to tell me so I can hold it over him and, 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 you know, blackmail him. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll never build another pool again, David, if I tell all the <laughs> customers.
1: He actually, I think we, we did a show about him. Yeah. Joe talking about
2: it.
0: The law, oh, of the man. sand law. Yeah. I mean, I got we to use yeah. that.
2: When people call for, because David built my pool, people call for references, I'll say, Built a great pool, but, you know, he's kind of a criminal elephant.
0: Fugitive <laughs> <laughs> pool builder.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's a good <laughs> cover. You had a,
0: a, another book that uh, you had written a while ago, and I can't remember the title now, but it, it was about um, kind of about young women.
2: It was called 51% Minority how women oh, okay. are still yeah 51% minority how women are still not equal and what you can do about it and it's for women well, really we don't
1: always. want to
2: do anything about that <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> straight you're going to do something about it <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs> or be left behind <laughs> no it was really a kind of an empowerment book for women especially um, letting them know about legal rights and where the law is and where it isn't and you know chapters on Uh, Equal employment, um, you know, right to your body. I mean, all of these kind of things, discrimination at work, uh, you know, all all of the things that affect women every day and still do still do.
1: I was. Are you guys allowed to vote? What? Are you guys allowed to vote still? (laughs)
2: okay make that two fbi vans
0: (laughs) so i was i was asking that because um i actually have three daughters and two granddaughters
2: oh good good for you
0: so um i I was just you know that that particular uh title obviously caught my eye so i was just curious about it and kind of like why you wrote that book
2: well, I wrote it, it for, for my daughter, um, who's now 25, for for women to, to let them know, you know, knowledge is power, and especially legal knowledge, because, you know, if you don't go to law school, you may not know some of these things. And I really kind of thought it, it to be sort of a pocket paralegal, uh, where you could flip through a chapter and go, okay, here are my rights here, here's what I can ask for at work, you know. I gave an example. I'll give it to you now. Um, I was a law professor at the University of Washington before, I, after I was a prosecutor and before I went into television and writing. And I was hired to run the trial advocacy program. And that was the biggest program at the university and the most popular in the law school. Um, and I was, At the same time, a guy was hired at the very same time, to run the fishery program I think which was, was the smallest program at the law school like five people mine had 150 plus I had to hire adjuncts like 13 adjuncts it was you know a big it was a big job both tenure track and I learned and I don't remember quite how I learned this but I learned that he was being paid $5000 more than I was a year and I couldn't take that Uh, not that $5,000, I mean, this was a while ago, but it was a lot of money, but not that it would change my life, but it was important The the message was important. And I had young women coming to me and asking me for advice and things. I thought, I can't be sitting here giving out advice. If when something happens to me, I don't do something about it. So I went to the Dean and I said, look, I know that this guy's being paid $5,000 more than I am for the exact same job. In fact, I have a bigger job. What are you going to do about it? Oh, so sorry, but can't do anything about it. I said, "Well, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to talk to the president of the university, not the law school. The whole university." Right. And he said, "You really want to do that?" And I met, mind you, I didn't have tenure then, which means I could have been fired. Um, I got tenure subsequently, but so I went to them. I went to him with the dean, and I laid out my case, and I said, "Equal pay for equal work. And I'm doing more if more than this guy, and I'm paying being paid five thousand dollars less." that's illegal. And he said to me, he said, okay, I'll pay you $5,000 more, but just don't tell anyone about it. And I subsequently put it into my first book, <laughs> 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 but, but, but I also want to tell you, so that's a good part of it. But I also want to tell you something though, that I haven't told many people and it's not in the book. When I, um, got out of that meeting. I was wearing nylons back in the day you were, you know, people, women wear nylons. I don't do that anymore. But and I went running for my bus to get the kids to go home. And I slipped and fell and skinned my knee really badly. And I did that because I was so traumatized. I was so stressed. I was so upset. I mean I'd gotten what I wanted, but I had to go all the way to the president of the dang University to get just what was my right. Right. And So what I'm saying is, yes, I stood up for myself, but it comes at a price, right? Sleepless nights, worrying about them firing me. It could have gone the other way. And so I think about other women in that plight. You know, you're hired and you're not getting paid as much for the same same job. That's not right. It's not legal. But it happens every day. It still happens every day.
1: Well, maybe they should start wearing nylons then.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I wore the nylons because it protected my knee a little bit, but you know, dang it. I mean, that's just not right. And so that story and some others that happened to me and other women I knew, I thought I'm going to, I got to write about this. I got to write a book. And like I said, I, I put that in my first book, what the, what the, what the university had done. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. You can't stay silent about stuff like that. Yeah.
0: That was your first book and uh this one a spy in plain sight is your newest book where can where can everybody go to get all your books
2: oh um first of all i love independent bookstores so a spy in plain sight should be available at any independent bookstore or barnes and noble and then of course there's there's amazon who has all of them and then if you can remember the spelling of my name it's leasewheelbooks.com i have it there too So lots of places to get it, and if you go into a bookstore and the book you want isn't there, I demand that you uh, make a, you know, just jump up and down and... Raise your voice and scream about it and that'll be great. I'll get great. And then, publicity.
0: And then tell them there'll be an FBI van parked out front until they or get two. the book on the shelf.
2: <laughs> You're up to you guys are up to three at this point. Uh. <laughs> You'll
1: never <laughs> take me
2: alive. Yeah, they've got sharpshooters, the whole nine yards. Do,
1: do
0: they like Del Taco
1: by chance? <laughs> yeah, very much. <laughs> Uh, we'll, oh. Okay, yeah, we'll just smooth it over, give them some deltaka.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and some Dunkin' Donuts wouldn't hurt either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we really thank you for your time being on the show and, and talking to us. It was really enjoyable. We thank you very much for uh, hanging out with us.
2: Oh, good. And, and, and I had such so much fun and good luck with your daughters. You know, tell them to always follow their dream. You know, as Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss and you know sometimes it's not the highest paying job but you'll get there eventually just following what you what your you know heart tells you is your passion i mean that's what you got to do life is short it got you a
1: swimming pool
2: got me a swimming pool (laughs) life is good (laughs) (laughs) as soon as i'm done with this (laughs) get them all riled up
1: there you go well, I'm really, thank you. It was really nice to meet you. Thanks for being on the show. You're a totally interesting person. I wish you all the best of luck in everything you do.
2: Thank you so much. And please let me know when this airs so I can put it up on my social media and have lots of people make fun of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we We are accustomed to that. I'm sure. Yeah. Before um, you
2: even leave the house, you're accustomed to it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, Lise did not invite us to swim in her pool.
0: No, she didn't.
1: What the hell,
0: God? <laughs> but she did say that she'd have the FBI watching us. So yeah, she... maybe you know, we can be proud of that. She actually has a author event at the Ventura Barnes and Noble Saturday september 24th at 1 p.m to 3 p.m and actually i guess we're the first to know about it that's really cool it's like breaking news dude uh she tells us everything (laughs) she's our pal (laughs) um so yeah breaking news you know hot off the wire what is that george we have a breaking news announcement (laughs) least while will be in person at the ventura california barnes and noble saturday september 24th at 1 p.m sweet we're like real reporters people
1: wow we're like Working journalist, yeah,
0: with breaking news.
1: breaking news, breaking
0: news. <laughs> news. <laughs> broke, <laughs> breaking some news, breaking some news. Yeah, I, I broke some news like I broke wind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I broke that news all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
0: even use newspaper. <laughs>
1: Dude, we are so awesome,
0: yeah. In our minds,
1: we are the best.
0: (laughs) All right, cool. Now she'll have
1: people listening to her her book reading.
0: Yeah. So there you go, fans. If you can plan a a longer event, right? So in theory, you could fly out for David. And you could um, go to David's event, which is... On the third of September, get hammered, lose yourself in the forest, and then after about twenty days of being lost in the forest, you could come out of the forest and go to Liz's book signing. That's right. See, that's a we just planned the most awesomest uh, vacation. So cool, dude. Yeah, and you could, like, live off the forest and, like, eat nuts and run from bears and, you know, get hunted by mountain lions. And as long as, you know, the family from Deliverance doesn't find you, you'll make it to Liz's book signing. They're easy
1: to avoid. You're always going to hear that banjo. <laughs>
0: yeah. Run from the banjo. <laughs> <laughs> if you, Except for when Grass Mountain's playing it. Then you're safe. yeah run from the banjo if you're ever in the forest and you hear running water and a banjo walk the other way yes exactly walk (laughs) the other way and if you guys don't know what movie we're referencing it's with burt rental reynolds (laughs) Rentals. oh burt burt rentals are when you burn up the moving van after you're done with it oh yeah that's right but (laughs) i'm a wordsmith man get the hell out of my way (laughs) stand back (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's the movie deliverance with burt reynolds in it
1: yeah it's actually a great film
0: yeah Great banjo playing, but it makes you fear the banjo the rest of your life.
1: Yes, it does.
0: Definitely check out uh, Grass Mountain and then Lease Wheel live at Barnes & Noble. So, hey, I, I got some breaking news for you, Mike. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, we're all excited because Ashley has a new boyfriend.
1: Oh, she does. That's good. You don't like? Yeah,
0: yeah. Before. So, we're all excited about it. Except for um, he doesn't live in the area. So, you know, good and bad stuff. From the parent side, that's good because he's far away. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the sad part. She won't tell him about our podcast. She's afraid we'll scare him off. She said, I don't want to explain to him that I have a crazy stepdad and uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to have saying? to explain that. What is his name though? His name is Chris. I'm not allowed to be friends with him on Facebook either. Really? Not yet. Yeah. But don't do it. Don't, we're not allowed. So don't you dare. Um... Well, I think
1: so. I don't know. Maybe it's like, like secret Facebook algorithm and there's nothing in it. But like when you're on Facebook, there's like a section that pops up and it says
0: people you may know. Right. Well, yeah, that's because it's that whole six degrees of separation.
1: Is that all it is, you think? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that's what it is. It's it's like, OK, so you're friends with this person and this person is friends with that person. So there's a chance you might be friends with that person.
1: OK, maybe that's all it is. I, I always assumed like, oh, I wonder if those are people who tried to visit my profile. No,
0: no, okay. it's, it's it's not that Um. it's that um it's because you know someone it even says that who they're friends with but well, yeah that, we have yeah, to s- we have to s-
1: and something like i i was like well who's that guy and and then i i think i hovered over like and then we have one friend in common and it's ashley right so i thought oh that must be ashley's new boyfriend
0: <laughs> that's exactly right and she's embarrassed by us yeah, well, no, she's afraid we'll scare him. I don't <laughs> think we're that scary. I mean, we're not. We're scary, not dude. that bad. I mean, we got chased by the police once. We, you know, had bums buy us beer. It's not like we did anything too bad.
1: <laughs> He's probably doing the same thing.
0: He's yeah, doing. most kids did that, right?
1: Yeah, I would. I think that's kind of a part of being an American. Yeah, <laughs> you got a pimp beer.
0: everyone's got to get a a helicopter yeah (laughs) who doesn't do that well you just tell Miss
1: Ashley we want to meet this guy so we can decide if he's good enough for her
0: yeah he needs to come on the show and we can just have a a a fatherly crazy uncle conversation with him
1: that's right we're going to find out what this dude's all about man Yep. All right, get him on the show dude
0: yep She won't even tell him about our podcast, and he's into podcasts.
1: Yeah, it was
0: was funny. So I was talking to Chuck today, and I was, you know, telling him, and uh, he goes, you know what you ought to do is you ought to tell Ashley that you accidentally accepted him. And I go, Chuck, that's so funny, man. I did that last night to her. <laughs> I come to California. I don't know. I'm not allowed to talk to him.
1: <laughs> well, what does she say about him?
0: That he he's great and she's happy. And I will say that, you know, she is happy and laughing and
1: Well, I um, hope it works out. I hope she met a nice guy.
0: Yeah. We'll never know because we're not allowed to talk to him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But one day,
0: (laughs) one day, we will have our moment of truth.
1: One day. He's going to have to pass the crazy daddy, crazy uncle test. Yep. (laughs) You ever jump through an awning?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about police cars? Are you for them or against them? Are yes. Fast enough to escape the police helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> and who's your favorite rock band?
1: Oh, that's key. That's critical.
0: Yeah, let's see. What else could we ask him? We could ask him, uh, can you drive a stick shift? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what one is? Do you know who the tubes are?
1: Yep. We got to make sure he likes the tubes. Yeah. Have you ever capsized a wave runner? It's <laughs> <laughs> impossible to capsize. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did yeah you can do a public pool uh, skinny dipping, skinny dipping? <laughs> or oh. spent a week in detention <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you been to juvie man if <laughs> <laughs> you answered yes to any of these <laughs> You are perfect.
0: <laughs> you can date our daughters. <laughs> two Men with a Mic is produced at Close On A Hanger Studios. You can reach them at the number two com. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Ashley, for the song.